0: Today's episode of Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped has now got the Lawnmower 3.0. Yes, Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped Engineer team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball trimmer of all time, and they've just released, like I said, the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code EMPIRE. Yes, a brand new code. It is EMPIRE. So get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code EMPIRE and head on over to Manscaped.com. I'm your host, J.C. John Paz, and with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling, he is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? I'm doing well, as
1: always, today, John. Always good, great to be alive in Knoxville, Tennessee.
0: Now, last week you were traveling to, I believe it was Altoona, PA. You were doing some seminars and stuff. How did that go? And is that correct?
1: Was it Altoona? Yes, PA? that is correct. Uh, flew into Pittsburgh, and uh, Mike and Braden picked me up at the airport. We drove uh, 90 minutes to Altoona, had a great lunch, uh, talked about what we are going to do the next few days, and uh, also ran into my old friend Sam Adonis. Oh, uh, we hadn't hadn't yes. seen since the Smoky Mountain days. We went and had breakfast. Uh and then went to the um Altoona uh Wrestling Academy. Imagine Wrestling is the name of the company. And it had a great two days. Uh I think we had twenty six, twenty four, twenty six people show up. Uh it's 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 one of those things that there there are times when you have a a really good camp and times when sometimes it doesn't always click so well, but this was one of the, the weekends I thought I felt it really clicked. Some good people in there, some hard working guys and gals, and uh uh we
0: we had a really good time. Looking forward to going back. Is this one of those things where they kind of are not to say seasoned, but is this like a finishing camp? Is this like um could be from beginner to whatever, or is this all guys that are almost ready to take it to the next level no this this in particular one was uh
1: had all uh beginners experienced r- people who've been around some 15 years came to the camp and i think what they're looking for is is something anything someone to to say something they can latch on to or or have an eye-opening moment um where or, or just verification and uh Uh, Establish the fact that uh, the guy or or whoever they've been training or listening to is, is either uh, filling them full of uh, crap or I verify what they say. And, and uh, if, if more than one person is saying the same thing, chances are there's something to it. And the good thing about Imagine Wrestling was uh, they have a great trainer there. His name is Kato Ken uh, and he, when we had lunch on Friday, we talked about things and we, we had the same philosophy and same, uh, same line going forward. So this, this pretty much reinforced things for, um, not, not only the kids at imagine wrestling, but anybody who came within, uh, from the area and from all over the place, you know, it's, it, it, it really is, uh, Occurring to me every time I go somewhere like this, that I'm not completely crazy. I'm not out of my mind, and uh, there is still a place for old school wrestling and old school thought. And um, you know, I I I just read it on a website today that Ed said, and I have not I printed it off here, um, but he he was talking about getting some. Uh, backlash from his match with orton and um, let me see let me see what he just said uh, <laughs> he he was he was talking about the fact that man, and I just had it here. I just had it. I'm looking as I'm talking to you but but he mentioned the fact that um oh coming back. Uh the matches from the formal perspective, having nine years set on being work uh when he asked people, or he says here, uh Edge continued, I try to keep I I try and keep up and I started peeling back acting uh the way I used to with wrestling and with that and with um uh, that nine years of retirement and going in, uh I think I ended up at 100 episodes of television, by the time I came back, it was key. It was so huge. And when people ask me now, what would be your first bit of advice for an aspiring wrestler or somebody who's in the business trying to make the next step? Uh, take acting classes because right now, more than ever, any other time, with no audience in the room, you're essentially cutting a monologue or audition. And if you don't have great chops, it shows. Um but that's not the line I was looking at. The line I was looking at. I'm just. Gonna, I'm. I'm going to pull it up right here because, honest to goodness. Uh, when I do these camps and I start talking about the basics, the fundamentals, some of them I can see. Uh, are looking at me like, huh? That's not what wrestling is today, and no, it, it's it's not what wrestling is today, but it is the foundation. Of what uh, wrestling is, and um, it still holds true. So let me just say here. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is this is from Wrestling Inc. And uh, why Edge didn't become a, a producer. Or any a quote here is. What I wanted to do in coming back was to really try and tell some more nuanced, layered stories, the stuff that got me hooked on Wrestling Edge stated, Bret Hart matches, Jack Briscoe matches, Dory Funk matches, Terry Funk matches, Nick Bockwinkle matches, and Kurt Henning matches. And from the promo perspective, having nine years on set and being able to work with some of the people that I had to work with and had to keep up with because I worked with some of the best. If you could keep up, you're going to get, if you couldn't keep up, you're going to get left on the cutting room floor. So I realized I got to study. I got to go to work. Edge continued. I try and keep up. I got to try to keep up. And I started peeling back acting the way I used to with wrestling. And in that nine years of retirement and doing and doing, I think ended up at 100 episodes of television. By the time I came back, it was key. It was so huge. And when people ask me, I just read this, what would be your first bit of advice to an aspiring wrestler or somebody who's in the business trying to make you that next step, take acting lessons? Uh, because more than ever, you're cutting a promo in front of people with no people. Okay, uh, but there was a point in here that he mentioned what I'm trying to get to, and I apologize for not having this ready. Um yeah, 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 yeah. Talks about the super kicks.
0: Um, well, anyway. What did you think about Edge versus Randy Orton, if you saw it?
1: Uh, I did. And I, I thought it was a very well told match, a very well told story. Um, and it had its moments. Um, they're, they're, yeah, I thought it was a great old-school match. I thought it was a, <laughs> a tremendous match. And I don't know that anybody uh, who doesn't appreciate it will ever appreciate it because you, you, it's not about the flip-flop and fly. It's about where you put the flip-flop and fly. Uh, you, you do need sizzle. We do need all the, oh, I know where, I know exactly where I had it. Um, or, or, but I don't see it here now. Anyway, I'll have to get back to you because if I do see it, it'll be, uh, it'll be crazy. I'll have to bring it up. So, so we, I don't want to waste too much time. I thought Edge and Norton had a great match, but basically Edge said, um, uh, it, it, he didn't want to do all the uh, super kicks. That's not the story. That's not the stuff that got him into it. And you can get into wrestling if you have somebody who knows how to do it. If you have somebody who knows how to make it interesting. If you have someone who who uh, who actually gets it, then it could be on here too. I'm gonna look one more time because I I know I did this and I know I. Copied it for somebody, too. And now I'm going out of my mind because I can't find it. So, anyway, uh, on a sad note, uh, we had Gail James pass away today. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, here we go, here we go, here we go. I'm sorry. said, we had backlash, and I was happy with how that turned out. Contrary to the experts, it was not taped over seven hours. Or eight hours, it was once straight through, and then we did four pickup shots. I've seen people complain about the under-the-rope shot of the DDT. That's a total of two seconds. If that ruined the entire match for you, then you have bigger issues. I get it. Everyone needs something to complain about. But that was a huge test to see where I'm really at in this new incarnation of how I want to wrestle going forward. I know some of our audience is conditioned to 52 superkick, 82 flip matches. That's not going to be me. It never was me, but especially not now. I want the match where the Bret Hart, Undertaker, and Gerald Briscoe are going to text me after. If that takes a re-education of the industry and a fan base, then so be it. It was our love letter to the wrestling style we enjoy, Edge. And I thought that was kind of cool because – uh, as a top guy and as, as a guy who's done what he's done in the business, I ask everybody when they start wrestling, why did you want to do this? And who did you watch? Who did you admire growing up? Over half, say Edge. And to know where his mindset came from. I knew when he came training with us. And he he did watch the old school. He, he understood it, and that's what brought him into it. That's what got him hooked. And uh, as the world changed... Um, some, some went with, with, uh, with them and some didn't, you know, it, it, you're not going to please everybody. So you might as well please yourself. I understand all that, but uh, my good friend, Jim Cornette went on a rant too about that, you know, talking about why things are the way they are today. And it's, it's because, uh, we were wrestling in the eighties in a whole different culture, a whole different world, a whole different attitude, vibe, whatever we, we didn't have to force ourselves on people. There were people who were, uh, I mean, there were always been creeps in every walks of life, but, but in professional wrestling, everybody wants to talk about how bad the eighties were. And it was the wild west and it was a crazy time. And there was a lot of things uh, that went on. But as as far as the Cretan type characters, there, there were a few, but the majority were after the show, People wanted to meet the guys. People wanted to have fun. People wanted to go do these things. And it's uh, the same thing with the wrestling matches. They wanted to have wrestling matches. They they wanted to see these guys go out and compete and, and treat it as such and, and look like wrestlers, not like the way some you know, a lot of guys look today. I've been guilty of doing the same thing. I wasn't working out like I should have at times. There were times I did, uh, you know, hit that that point where, I'd hook up with somebody and we all go to the gym and that was the that was the culture. But there were other times when, you know, other things got in the way. So um I'm glad to see when when someone like Edge or or that caliber of performer, that caliber of person, that that guy who stands up for what he believes and, and uh stands up for the people that believe in him back, it's it's good to see that it's coming back out. And it's also good to see that there are people who can still appreciate the old school and old ways of doing things and and make them new make them their own Uh, real quick and I guess we can move on to our topic but I had a guy come into me and and I teach an arm drag safely when I'm doing class because the majority of my students have never been in a wrestling room before so I'm going to do it the basic safest way I can and this kid came to me last week and said, Hey, I saw uh, Jimmy Garvin do this arm drag like this and all it is is a drop arm drag. He Jimmy dropped to his side and and, and did an arm drag, kinda like the Jack Briscoe Dory Funk arm drag. Well, that was a pretty common arm drag back then because the guys knew how to take an arm drag. But these guys in don't know in the first twelve weeks how to take or deliver an arm break. So I'm going to do it the safe way. And he thought that was the greatest damn thing ever. And he, then he said to me, he says, now I know what you mean. When you say take something old, watch some of this old stuff, and update it today, it'll be different. You'll be different. You'll stand out. So anyway, I just, I'm just glad to see when stuff like that happens and Edge reinforces uh, what we are talking about. And he always has,
0: uh, and I'm I'm very, very happy about that. Interesting, all those guys like Edge, I'm shocked by that. I mean maybe I'm a different fan from a different era. I'm just shocked all the you're like a lot of Chinese are big Edge fans. That surprises me.
1: No, 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 they they are because he was cool to them growing up.
0: Uh, you know, so I mean he he was still
1: relevant and in, in, I guess you know, I met I met a uh, Seth Rollins fan in Altoona last week, you know, and he was twenty years old and I said, Who's your favorite wrestler? I said, Seth Rollins. And, uh, you know, Seth has his fans, and mm-hmm. and I guess Seth would be, I don't know why, he I equate him a little close to Edge,
0: but I always thought Edge was uh, unique in his own right. Absolutely, and you did mention before the the passing of Gail James, Boba Bob's wife, and obviously the, the matriarch of the Armstrong family, which everyone knows of. And I know you knew her very well, but I know, I know what was kind of your initial reaction? Did you kind of... No, she wasn't doing well or yeah yeah she, okay. she had been
1: in hospice in a while and, and oh, okay. uh, Bob uh, is, is in hospice right now he's been suffering the effects of bone cancer for for quite quite some time and uh, I talked to Ron Fuller gosh I talked to Bob oh man we're almost done with June I talked to Bob earlier in May and uh, he was getting ready to move uh, and Brad's wife Lori told me he was he was heading to hospice at that time, and um, so it, yeah, it's 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 been kind of crazy. It's been a tough week for everybody, and I feel bad for uh, Steve's gotten Brian, but uh, everyone was was expecting it. Just it, it's sad when it happens, and it's mm-hmm. never kind of pleasant. So uh, she was a great lady, and I wrote on Facebook today just a, a quick story. I I used to live in Gulf Breeze, not too far from them, and. Uh I was heading to the town and I saw the car up ahead. I recognized it as uh, you know, Bob's, and I thought I saw Brad in the driver's seat, you know, and they had the same kind of hairs as, <laughs> and, and I, I went to speed up and was was looking acting like I was trying to run him off the road and, and then he slowed down and I sped up next right next to the car and I saw it was Gail and I looked at her <laughs> and went, Oh, I'm so sorry, and she just smiled and laughed at me and and I went on. I thought Bob was going to kill me when I got to the building, but he was laughing. Brad was laughing and said, "No, she thought it was amusing." And I said, "Well, thank God,
0: because <laughs> I didn't want to get killed for
1: that." So,
0: look at you trying to rib
1: Brad and you almost well, get in trouble. Yeah, we, well, that's not the first time I tried to rib Brad and got in trouble or almost got in trouble. So, but but she she was she really was. Uh, a very nice lady, and I think anybody will tell you that you came in contact with her because she made everybody feel that way—that that you were part of the family or you were somebody that she'd known forever, even if she just met you. So, and that—that's cool because there's not <sighs> there's not a lot of people out there these days like that. So, it is
0: very cool that she kind of took it all in stride and actually thought it was funny rather than you know getting she, you in
1: trouble. She she grew up
0: with the Armstrongs. She raised the Armstrongs. I mean, what was she expecting?
1: She had all these uh uh five Hellions if you want to count Bob and she was she was the only woman in the place and when Bob was on the road she had to keep law and order because uh Brad was they were all a handful. Brad, Scott, Steve, Brian, but oh my gosh, she 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 kept it together for the family and I've heard many, many stories about uh uh, taking a wooden spoon and, and having to beat him half to death because he wouldn't listen. So, But but she was also a
0: very loving and, and, and
1: the, the greatest mother in the world. You never heard the boy say anything but that. I think
0: today the topic is perfect as far as talking about continental championship wrestling, CCW, given the fact that the Armstrong basically ruled the roost down there.
1: Yeah. And, and that's how I got my, my gig in there. I broke my leg in Memphis and while I was recovering, Brad called me at home. We we kept in touch, uh, all the time and asked me if I was planning to go back to Memphis to which I said, I sure as all well hope not. And he said, would you like to come in and, and work an angle with Tim Horner? I had already turned heel in Louisiana on Tim Watts turned me heel and, um, uh, so, and from there, Dundee was booking, and, and I went to Tennessee with Pat Rose as a partner. And uh, so Brad asked me if uh, if I wanted to come in. I said, well, of course. I had met Jerry Stubbs and my last run in Memphis. He was there. I'd never met the Fullers, but uh, Bob had a piece of the territory. They were figured in, and I knew if I went in there, I would – be figured in somehow it was just that kind of place but uh, to go in and you know be able to do this uh angle with Tim and uh start out my career there it was was, was very very cool and that's you know that's that's the place where I actually got uh, Dr. Tom from and I think I, I might have told this story on here I guess or maybe I haven't no how did you become Dr. Tom Well, funny you should ask. Uh, So I broke my ankle in uh, Tennessee, actually in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Pat Rose and I are working against uh, Steve and Stan, the fabulous one, Steve Kern, Stan Lane, in Louisville Gardens, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, have you ever had the occasion to travel to Louisville, Kentucky? No. Well, Okay. In the south as well as the north, uh, I guess, you you have these great wrestling buildings, these great auditoriums, these great either coliseums or, or called gardens or, or whatever it was. Mid South Coliseum was a great arena wrestling building. Uh the Sam Houston Coliseum was a great wrestling building. It just had this this feel to it. And the Louisville Gardens is no different. You you would go in the back door and uh uh, then you'd have to go through another door to go down two flights of stairs to the to the dressing room area. And they had uh, two team dressing rooms, two large team dressing rooms, a referee's dressing room. And then they had uh, eight small individual dressing rooms and then a common area that kind of gathered them all together, connected them all together. So it was kind of a cool little place to go, you know, down in the basement, down below the building and congregate, talk and discuss strategy or whatever the hell we did. And uh, so uh, Pat and I are having a match with the Fabs and Stan Lane comes over and knocks me off the apron during the comeback. I went down to the floor and my right foot snapped. And even the people on ringside, remember this. Pretty vividly because they went ooh, and I heard I could hear it. In my head go snap, but I didn't hear. I really didn't believe I broke my ankle, uh, and I still had to get in the ring. Pat was going to cut Stan off, holding for the super kick. Stan moves, I hit Pat, and they knocked me out and pinned Pat, and we're done. So we do that, uh, and the Fabs leave. And I'm hobbling to the back. I have to hobble down two flights of stairs. I had rode with uh, Billy Travis and Torres Bulba, who was Juan Reynosa back then, or, or he was Torres Bulba back then, but his real name was Juan Reynosa from San Antonio. And I, I thanked Steven Stan, and Pat. And I sat there for a minute. And I thought, man, I just sprained my ankle really good. Let my let it sit there, and I cooled down. Took my boot off. Took a shower. And uh, then I had to climb back up the stairs with my bag, hobble to the, through the parking lot with Billy and Juan, and I got in the back seat, and we stopped, got beer, and uh, went back to Nashville. And we're staying at the Days Inn in Nashville, Tennessee. It's Billy, Billy Joe Travis, or, uh, Juan Reynosa, Wendell Cooley, and me. In one room, we have a bedroom with two beds and a, and a couch. So one of us has to sleep on the floor, and we alternated. But we get back, and I begged to sleep on the couch that night because I was hurting, and and I anyway. The next day was uh, Evansville, Indiana. And back in those days, if you didn't wrestle, if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. There were no contracts. So we get in the car, and uh, my ankle is killing me, but. I took my vitamin and said my prayers, and when we got to the building, I took more vitamin and said more prayers, I taped my foot up, and went out and worked. Of course, it was a tag match, so Pat did most of the work, but I did what I could do, and uh, we did this every night. Up until next Tuesday, we're back in Louisville. My, my foot is gradually turning black, and I still think it's just sprained, uh, And I'm having someone tape it up every night. So on the next Tuesday, I go into one, one of these little rooms, individual dressing rooms, and I don't remember who's taping my foot up. But Dundee walked by and looked at my foot and says, you ought to get that check, mate. And I said, yeah, okay. And Sherry Martell was our manager at that time. She was... Uh, She had a roommate named Tina, who was a nurse, and she said, I'm going to come by early in the morning and get you. I'm going to take you to the hospital. Tina will get you in, uh, no charge. They're going to x-ray your ankle. So she came by and got me in the morning, went to the hospital, and it's broke, and they put me in a cast right there. So now I'm out. Now I'm done. Call Jerry Jarrett and I tell him what happened. Don't worry about a thing. <laughs> of course, don't worry about a thing. I went back and uh, got my stuff from the hotel. Sherry said, You're gonna go with us. We're gonna take care of you. Uh for whatever. So anyway, in the meantime, I uh called my dad and a friend of mine and he and my dad uh came from came up from Houston to uh he helped me drive my car back, and I was going to go back to Houston to stay during this time. So uh, anyway, they, we, we drive back, and in the meantime, Sherry and Tina. Tina had all the doctor's scrubs to wear that I could wear while I had a broken ankle. And uh, she gave me a few of them to take with me, and I wore them. And uh, when I went to Pensacola, uh, I got in the angle with Horner and when the junior, head, the United States Junior Heavyweight Champion. Everybody had a belt in the continental area, and but the United States Junior Heavyweight Champion. And I'm working with Tim, Larry Hamilton, Roy Lee Welch. I'm kind of in that spot. And one night at the Batwell Auditorium, an, another great wrestling building. Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden are wrestling Tommy and Johnny Rich. And they've been doing this angle all the way around the horn. It's about maybe six months, maybe a little longer since i since I've been there and I've gotten to know Robert and Jimmy and the whole crew and I'm riding now with Robert and Jimmy, and they're fun fun guys to hang around and have fun with obviously and uh they uh come to the ring with this fellow, and at the end of the match. Uh, they get rid of, rid of Johnny, I think it was, and probably either one. I don't remember who they beat up in the in the on the ropes. But this guy they brought with them to ringside tapes up, I guess Tommy's feet to the bottom rope, and Robert and Jimmy just take turns wailing the living hell out of him, get blood all over the place, and and uh, then they go on up to the interview stage with Gordon Sully and say, Gordon, this is our new cut man. Dr. Love, and from now on, he's going to be with us at ringside to make sure nothing happens to our purdy faces, and those rich boys are in for a lot of or long summer, or whatever it was, uh, and it was a great angle, people were hot, and uh, this late 80s, still wrestling, is wrestling, it's still the deep south, and, and by God, there ain't nothing better than southern wrestling fans, if you ask me. Um, oh, no offense to the New York Garden fans who just boo you out of the building and say, oh, you suck and mean it. No, these guys will go ahead and, uh, yeah, they'll throw garbage and they'll want to fight you and cut you because, you know, it's still real to them, damn it. Anyway, so that next Sunday when it airs, when the show airs and the match airs, uh, right after the show, I think, Robert gets a call from the FBI wondering how they can get in touch with this Dr. Love fella because he's on their top five most wanted list in Alabama. And Rob tells him, oh, he's just one of those guys who used to hang around, and we don't really know too much about him. Um, but if we see him again, we'll tell him to give you a call. And they said, please do. So I'm writing with Robert that week, and Robert and Jimmy, and we're talking about it, and... He's uh, lamenting the fact that you know, they had to get rid of that, scrap that angle. Well, I'm wearing my doctor pants that day. And if hmm. we stop to get something to drink, yeah, I know. As we stop to get something to drink, he now notices that I have on these doctor pants. He says, well, hot damn, boy, you could be our doctor. And I'm thinking, well, sure we can. I can be your doctor. You know, we can just say I studied uh, to go to to be a doctor at Baylor University, but I just spent a little too much time in the pharmacy, and uh, he used that he used <laughs> that he used that line on TV too, and uh, you know so that that was kind of how I got my gig, and it, it stuck with me, Doctor Tom, for the for the rest of my career, which I'm very grateful for in some instances, and and in some instances it hadn't done me a damn bit of good, no, but it was it was a lot of fun, and that's that was uh, uh, I had I had a blast in continental wrestling, man. I got to work with some good people and, and it, uh, it, all the territories had their different flavor and, and, uh, attitude and, and continental was one of those ones that you had the beach. Most everybody lived in Gulf breeze, which was 10 minutes from Pensacola beach and, uh, same, same amount of time to the gym. So you could get up early and go to the gym. That was one of the times when, uh, when it was gym time. And because you'd go to the gym, then you'd go to the beach, and you'd go to the town, you'd have time to do all of that in uh, one day. And, and I was riding with Robert and Jimmy. Robert was the booker when I got there. And he sure as hell didn't want to get there any earlier than he had to. So uh, I, we would arrive sometimes, literally five minutes before bell time, and I would be on first. Uh, at this time, and, and Robert looked at me and said, "Boy, can you get your boots on in five minutes?" I said, oh, "You just watch me," and I did. And we go out and sometimes uh, do fifteen minutes and uh, come back, and it was it was uh, no pressure, a lot of fun.
0: Now, just to kind of educate anybody out there that's not familiar, Continental Championship Wrestling primarily was based in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Dalton, Alabama, obviously huge down there in the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida as well. well. Well wait a minute, hold on.
1: See when I when I came in, I think Continental Wrestling was based in Pensacola at first. Right, right. But not Knoxville. Ron Ron later moved to Knoxville. He he had right, it one a, time in Knoxville.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh but also, um, with Ron Fuller running things, from about eighty five to eighty nine, you'd say you know he kind of had a run there. Uh, once known as Southeastern Championship Wrestling, once known as Gulf Coast Championship Wrestling. Really, Fuller would eventually purchase, like you said, the Knoxville territory as well. So Alabama. Florida, Knoxville was kind of like a a huge kind of um, breeding ground or or territory for him to be running in all those years. Fuller, like we mentioned in in the prior episode, eventually sold to David Woods around 1988-ish, and the name was changed to the Continental Wrestling Federation. But right now, we really just want to focus on CCW and Ronnie Fuller. So you mentioned Robert and being a booker and stuff. What was your relationship like with good old Ron Fuller? Ron was actually...
1: uh... A good guy too. They, they both were, were pretty easy to get along with, and um, Robert was more of Robert was a little more outgoing. Ron could be outgoing, and I've got to know Ron a, a lot better these last few years through the reunion and Dothan, and um, and and he's called me actually a couple times just to talk, and which is which is kind of cool. But my relationship at that time. Uh, was was cordial. He he was um. He wasn't. He was coming around and working a little bit uh, during this time. He wasn't necessarily involved in the book, although he was always involved in the business part of things. Um, he let Robert do his things and his angles. But if something wasn't uh, going the way Ron felt it should go. I got the impression he would step in at any time, as would Bob Armstrong. You know, Bob pretty much had uh, to see over his angles anyway. And they, they all did. You know, Robert and Jimmy were, were a team. Ron did what he wanted to do, and Bob did what he wanted to do. And I believe they were all equal partners. or Or maybe Ron owned a majority. That could have been it, because I remember when it was sold, it wasn't Anyone else's decision except Ron's, I believe. But I had a good relationship with Ron, and uh, uh, but but I had a, a closer relationship, I guess, with Robert, as close as I could get with anybody, I
0: guess. This is a very interesting kind of territory if you really look at it. I mean, you you guys kind of, like you said at this point, a lot of uh, Pensacola, but really, I mean, you ran a lot of Alabama was a, was a, you know Birmingham was big, right? I mean, there's a lot of other places you don't necessarily think of. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, we ran Pensacola, and Pensacola was home based, I think, just because and because the Fullers and Jimmy liked living there, and, and mm-hmm. Bob liked living there. It was a beautiful place to live, living in Gulf Breeze, which is right outside of Pensacola. But Birmingham uh, was where we did TV at the Beltwell Auditorium, and then we moved to the uh, 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 fairgrounds, yes. And it was there. There were some really um, good towns, I believe, in Alabama, like Birmingham. And uh, Gadsden was a was a small town, but a good town. And yeah, we would we would uh Mobile, Alabama, was right across the, the bridge from Pensacola. So yeah, Alabama was a huge part of it. And back then, it as I said, it was. Still wrestling or wrestling for for those people and and it was blood and guts and um uh, <laughs> again that culture was that culture and today we, we can't do the blood and guts for for the obvious reasons but uh man, it was. It was wrestling and I loved it. It was you know, again, going back to what Ed said, it's it's it was the wrestling that I was enticed by and grew up on and and had a feel for and uh loved. So it was it was where I wanted to be with people I wanted to be around and it was great.
0: Now obviously Ron Fuller likes you as well as still to this day if he's calling you and just kind of you know, be with you over the phone and stuff. So it must have been been a good relationship on his end as well. I think so. You know, I've done his his podcast a couple times, and
1: and we talked about it, and um, I I understood. You know, I I understood even back then um, the intricacies and the inner workings, uh, but I, I just didn't want to play into it, which is wrong on my part because that's what you have to do. you have to understand if you want to be in the mix you got to get in the mix and uh, I, it was easier for me to get in the mix area thanks to Brad and and the Armstrongs because I'd known them since Atlanta and we we had had a relationship for many years. And now I'm finally going into a territory, they're part owners, and they wanted to work with me as much as I wanted to work with them. So, But Ron was always cool. The Fullers, once I got to know them better, uh, was always cool. Uh, Jimmy Golden's always been great. Um, And that was what was important to me at that time in my life, being around uh, good people, being around uh, a, a beautiful place. Uh, and man, Pensacola Beach was great. You you met some <laughs> you met some really really uh, interesting characters in the territory, yeah, and it was um, uh, an education
0: to say the least. You mentioned Tim Horner making the debut and winning and beating him in Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama. You always liked working with Tim. Was that kind of just an easy transition from? Uh, Mid South and that that whole heel turn was that easy for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, Tim uh,
1: was always a, a tremendous worker. He always uh, had had it in the ring. I thought. Um, you know, we all lack on promos when we start out, and some of us are, are more natural than others. But but I always had a uh, a good time in the ring with Tim. I mean, that was that was a night off. You know, his kicks were off, his punches were off, and uh, everything else. But that, that's a joke. But, no, it it was it was no. he was great. He, he was great to, to be in the ring. And a lot of those guys uh, around that area who, who would just be hanging around, like Mike Jackson, oh, my God, Mike Jackson uh, would come and work Birmingham or some of those towns, too. And he, I'm not quite sure, Mac is close to 70 years old and looks the same. As he always has always, mm-hmm. has. always yeah. been in shape. Yeah. I've worked with him on a couple of, couple of occasions. He's always been athletic, always been good. And Tim's the same way. You know, I, I don't know that we ever had a bad match. Um, he, he's, he just, he, uh, he, he had, I, if, <laughs> he always had that, 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 um, that talent. And, but we, both of us, we weren't the biggest guys in the world. We weren't going to set the world on fire. Uh, and I, and I don't know that the ambition was there for, for either of us, because if it was, we would have gone a lot further than we did,
0: but I enjoyed,
1: I enjoyed working with him
0: when we worked. As I mean, boy, he has an age. I mean, he was on, I think, impact wrestling, uh, was it six months ago or so when he was wrestling? I mean, he has an age at all. Jeez, Not, please. no,
1: no, and he stays in shape, doesn't get hurt. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's those. But he he wasn't the only guy like that there. That's what I'm saying. You had some guys who would work the peripheral areas, like Ted Allen and and um, some other. When I when I first got there, Danny Davis and Ken Wayne were the nightmares. And what a team they were! Again, not big guys, but for that area, um, it, it worked. They 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 put guys together. That they felt would provide action and go out there, and um, the people could get behind. That's what that, that was. That was the primary difference, I think, when they talked about the East Coast and, and the Southern styles. Uh, New York was the kick and punch, and the South had the hot the. the the high spots and the goofy angles (laughs) and Gary Hart hated the angles, which I understand because a lot of it was goofy. A lot of this stuff was just insane, stupid. You know, it was a lot different than than when Texas was running and they would do these, these, uh, uh, other style of this other style of wrestling. And then Tennessee would do the crazy stuff. And, uh so would Alabama and, and, and those guys. So, I mean, it was just a matter of what part of the country you're in and who you're listening to and who was calling the shots. What about
0: working with the Armstrongs? Scotty Armstrong, Steve Armstrong. I mean, we've talked about Brad a lot of the show, but Bullet Bob. I mean, the Armstrongs are kind of the, the kings of the castle down there. Yeah,
1: and and if you couldn't have a match with any of those guys, you didn't belong in the business. That's the truth. Um, You, you just – they they had this natural drawing power uh, magnetism all of them uh scott and, and uh stevie uh usually teamed up and they i i it, it was it was that it was like the Funks and amarillo it was like any family you know, the Von Erickson in Texas, uh, the Fullers were in Alabama. So were the Armstrongs. So it had that rivalry. It had that, uh, feel to it. It was a, uh, uh, it was a great combination with the boys. And then you had Bob as the, uh, the father and, and, and the leader. And he was, uh, easy to get heat on the guys and weren't one of the kids and let Bob come in for revenge. But, um, yeah, if you couldn't have a match with any of the Armstrongs, you certainly didn't belong
0: to business. As far as some other guys, I'm just kind of I love looking through some of the feuds. We talked about a Dirty White Boy before. Obviously, actually, aired, ended up airing last week with the, i like to talk to Tom stuff and that whole thing. But Adrian Street is a name that immediately popped off to me when i was kind of looking at your your match listing and kind of just doing some research and going through some stuff i'm like wow i didn't realize you guys had like a little mini few going on for a while there <laughs> oh man and i
1: like adrian I, I really did adrian was entertaining he um uh he he was salty he 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 was he, he could be downright mean at times to people he was never mean to me but i could just see this uh nasty streak he had in him and when you got in the ring, whether he liked you or not, he was just stiff, you know, and there were some guys who were just stiff and didn't, I don't, either, whether they didn't know it or they just didn't care, that's just the way they worked, and Adrian would, uh, flit to the ring and prance and all that stuff, but then the bell would ring and he would kill you, so it wasn't always easy working with Adrian, I liked, uh, talking to him and, and having conversations with him. But man, when he got in the ring, it's like, you're fighting for your life. cuz he tie you up? And it made no sense. He was out wrestling the baby face and, you know, it, 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 it was fun for him. It wasn't always fun for the guy guys working with Nah, you know, I had some fun matches with him, but I also had some matches where I went, Oh my God, if
0: I owe you money, I'll pay you right now. Just Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah with his gimmick i think people in real he's like a legit shooter legit tough guy just by looking at the gimmick you don't even realize it well you know i i would go the other way
1: with that looking at the gimmick you would think because you have to fight his way out every night and, that, and mm. that's probably where he learned from you know his, his mm. dad was a minor and uh adrian didn't want that kind of life you know he wanted to get out and and entertain He always thought his. is, his, his, oh he, I remember him talking about his father and he showed pictures of him and in the mine and all that stuff, kind of like Zoolander <laughs> when <laughs> Derek Zoolander goes back and his dad is working in the mine. That's what it always reminded me of is Adrian, you know, going back to see his dad as Adrian street working in the mine and
0: mm-hmm. looking yep.
1: at him with such a disgusting look on his face and all of a sudden seeing his success made him proud. But you know, yeah, Adrian, uh, overcame a lot, succeeded and, and made a lot of money. Told me about the time he went to Florida and nobody wanted to work with him. And Dusty Rhodes was a booker. And, uh, he said, let me work with him, baby. I'll make money with this son of bitch. And he did. And I saw some of the stuff they did from Florida. You know, he, he cut Dusty's hair, not a whole lot off that for sure, but, but he, he cut the dreams hair and had a lock of it. And, and they built on that. I mean, uh, Again, different culture, different way of doing things, because I don't think you can get away with that today. In fact I I doubt seriously you would even try to put anybody like Adrian out there and, and put him in that light and say what you would say back then. You can't say that now.
0: Looking Roy Lee Welsh. Is he actually a real Welsh? Is he related to them?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a cousin. And uh Roy Lee was um uh Let's see. Nice guy. Nice guy. But we didn't always click in the ring. I think we had a different philosophy. And Roy was trying to be the heel. And I don't know that I was necessarily trying to be a babyface. I was just trying to be me. But he, I think he saw it differently and saw that he wanted to be uh, the the heel. And, And he was a good heel. He was King Roy Lee Welch. Um, But we just, I I don't know why we just weren't meshing all the time. And he, he wanted, he talked to me about it before and I said, "I, I don't know, because I really want to get along. And I certainly want to get along with the family members who, who have a piece of this thing. And I don't know, I don't know why it didn't always go that well, but, but it didn't. Larry Hamilton is another guy who uh,
0: has had some uh, some big time feuds with down there.
1: Thunderbolt Larry Hamilton, yes, and uh, Thunderbolt was good. T-Bolt was was uh, a fantastic worker, and uh, uh, I had a lot of fun with him too. I mean, there wasn't too much stuff there that I didn't have uh, fun with. or too many people I didn't have fun with. There were too many matches that weren't. Uh, enjoying, there were very few things that were uh, bad about the continental wrestling area. They, you weren't, again, you, you making anywhere from 500 to 700 a week. Uh, you weren't going to get rich, but you were going to have a great time, short trips, and it was pretty much a place you, if you want to go for a vacation, I guess. And, and, and the scenery was beautiful. The palm trees, the, the, the cities, a lot of them were just, it wasn't, they weren't bad trips at all. And, and Ron said it before he, he wanted to make it um, comfortable and happy, good dressing room, which, you know, so if you're happy, you're not going to demand a whole lot. And I understand the promoters view. I understand the promoter psychology too, more so now than I did today, but, but, but I have more experience and I have more insight and I have more facts than I did then. So, uh, but I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I'm I'm where I should be today.
0: With this, I think it's kind of funny because it's like the Fullers versus the Armstrongs. And then you're like thrown in there as well, like a part of the feud, which is great. Like you said, Robert Fuller likes you kind of threw you in there. Like, you know, you're a member of the Fuller family kind of defunct. You ever think about like he like, Yeah, I'm somewhat kinda of, sort of loosely like I'm a part of that, you know, wrestling family because because you're a part of that feud. Of course, yeah, and
1: I was I felt proud to be a part of that family. I felt par proud to be a part of that feud. I always felt proud to be a part of the Armstrong family. I mean, I always I, I always felt like I was once I was. Once once I became a part of that family, I always felt like I was because uh I, I I was treated as such and no one ever had to come out and tell me say, boy you're part of the family uh, but they, they said it without having to use words it was the actions that, that spoke to me and uh, that was where I felt um, I did belong and to this day I enjoy uh, it, with all my lack of um uh, being able to get close to people, my inability, if you will, I look forward to going to these Dothan reunions uh, to see the, the the Fullers and the Bob Armstrongs and uh, people that, that really were in a good place in my life uh, because they're not going to be there forever. And I've come to realize that uh, whatever my legacy will be, and I believe it's going to be more teaching than anything I ever did in the ring. Um, Those guys had a huge part of teaching me how to teach. And uh, I learned so much from listening to Robert Fuller interact, not just with me, but with other people to make them feel comfortable enough and confident enough that they could do anything uh he wanted them to do and he made them believe they wanted to do it too and it that's 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 artistry at its finest robert was was pretty good at talking to people uh and and more times than not getting them to do what was needed to be done and i learned from that i listened to the way robert uh interacted and watched the way he interacted and, and same thing with Bob Armstrong. Man, I, I, I learned so much from him just being around observing and learning how he connected. And as an owner made suggestions in a way that were palatable and, and uh, they may not always be to your benefit, but, but he made you believe it was. and, uh so I, I enjoyed being a part of that family, I enjoyed being part of that angle. I enjoyed um just getting being able to be in that area and that territory to know them and 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 get the get to pick up on on their their ways and and sit under their learning tree. Uh yeah, that that was something that uh, uh I will never
0: forget. As far as the territory, I know you said you love the territory, obviously love the area. I'm sure there was some nice ladies to look at down there, especially in that that, uh, Pensacola area. As far as the payoffs, how were the payoffs?
1: Well, like I said, you, you're making five hundred, seven hundred a week if you're in that spot, and and I think most guys were averaging that. I mean, that's that's especially when I got in with Robert Jimmy, that was my average, no less than five hundred, but sometimes seven. Uh, and a, that's in nineteen eighty-seven, I guess eighty-eight, mm-hmm. yep. whatever it is. Yep. So, so I had nothing to complain about. And, and again, baby faces sold pictures there. Danny Davis sold pictures there. He was, he was on the ground floor of the gimmicks, man. And, uh, so the payoffs, uh, were, were reasonable, I think. And again, doing what you loved and living on the beach. Uh, uh, this is where I met my, my wife, you know, so and not, and it was, she wasn't my wife until years, years later, but I met her in Pensacola. So, um, you know, I had, I got that
0: going for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Had love is in the air. Look at that. Of course. Every day it was. Yeah. So they do give you, you know, obviously you said when you you get friendly with the, the booker, I mean, but anyway, you did have a, a pretty good run there. Um, United States junior champion, Alabama champion, eventually a Wolf heavyweight champion. You kind of, you know, were, like I said, kind of, feuding with the Armstrongs, with the Fullers, feuding with a little bit of Larry Hamilton, a little bit of really Welsh, a little bit of Adrian Street. Overall, did you really enjoy your time and not want to leave?
1: Yeah, I, I really uh, was okay if I, if I just stayed there. But uh, the circumstances came up and 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 again i think this was happening with everybody and and even ron asked me this question about uh what did the boys think when uh he he sold it to david woods and went back up to Knoxville. he asked me on his podcast what if i heard any rumblings from the boys and uh i said well one thing i thought was you saw the landscape And and you saw how things were going in the business, and you've always done this with everywhere you've been. I know the history of Ron Fuller. (laughs) And uh, I, I was thinking that you were just looking for someone to dump it on, and he started laughing because that's exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. The business was changing. He saw it. He knew it. He had been, a, and the family had been a mover and shaker uh, from, from the beginning of the business in the States, from the beginning of the business, it went way back. So he knew he had his finger on the pulse. He was, he was the businessman. He was, that's why he had, I think the majority ownership. Well, I'm sure it was. It's why he, why he was a majority owner, but, Uh you know, it was it was going down. Uh Tokyo Joe had come through Alabama to check on Chono who was wrestling there. I become friendly with Chono. Yes. And I got a uh a trip to Japan and in the meantime I uh I went back to Texas for a little bit before I went to Japan. Then when I was Mm -hmm. in Japan, I think that's when the territory closed and the writing was on the wall. It just business was down and, and things, you know, Carrie Von Eric had come in on a couple of occasions, I guess, to help uh, draw the houses and it didn't, didn't work. So you could see if, if you couldn't see it, um, back then you were you just were blind you weren't looking for it you 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 were completely lost and everybody could see how this place was being taken over and closed up this place they were taking these guys leaving the rest you know so it was it was obvious to some of us what was going on but others wanted to to believe that it could be saved and i just don't think there was any way and i don't think we can we can never go back. Well, I I don't know if ever you know ever and never a pretty long time. But with the advent of the internet and cable TV being so prevalent, and the world evolving and, and it's a small world after all, all that good stuff. I don't think it'll ever go back to territory days and maybe different regions and and things like that. But it can never go back to weekly towns because. The guys don't know how to do it. There's not enough guys out there who did, who can put it together. And maybe, maybe under a different uh, model and a different plan. But I have no idea what that could be. I have no idea what it's going to look like coming out of this mess that we're in right now. This, mm-hmm. this is insane. How how do you move from, uh, you know, having all these <laughs> having all these people furloughed, and realizing you can do it in an empty arena, um. And doing these cinematic matches, which yes, you have to move on from that, but but how do you move on? What's what's the step after? I I have no idea, and I, I couldn't even couldn't
0: even begin to begin to think where we'd be after this. So you started in the spring of 1986. You basically left in the fall of '88 from Continental. David Woods, like you said, he was brought in towards the end. Ron Fuller saw so the landscape of the business changing he brings in eddie gilbert paul Heyman, to bookers which we've talked about before and basically you know they were on their way out and your last match is against Masahiro chono before you kind of leave the territory and then obviously you go on to new japan pro wrestling before you know we kind of get to um wrapping up ccw what was it like with chono what did you think about working with him
1: Uh, The first time I worked with him, uh, we were in separate dressing rooms uh, and and didn't know him from anything. But we got in the ring. He spoke no English. Uh, We locked up, and and he put himself in a headlock. Um, He he, he went right to me, just, just had the headlock. He shot me off, and that's one of the things I talk about. When you get to the point, you don't have to speak at all. You you read body language, and that wasn't the first. uh, That well, actually, that was one of the first where it was that that intense or that detailed. But but I followed, and I knew how to follow. I knew how to lead. At that time, uh, he just he put himself in a headlock and he shot me off, and I came off a tackle. He dropped down, went for the hip toss, I took it. He leaned over me, I kicked him off, and from there we just went on. We went off field. Uh, I thought he was tremendous, and that 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 was a sign of a pro. Uh, he had, he had never met me. We hadn't set eyes on each other. We went out to the ring um he he was the heel, so the understanding is the heel calls the match Well, he doesn't speak English, I don't speak Japanese. How do you call the match you You do it with body language you you do it with feel, and he was counting on me to know that, and I was counting on him to, uh, to hopefully have a plan and and we went from there, but I was always impressed with chono he was a tremendous worker. Great attitude. Went to Bon Jovi concerts together with his girlfriend. He flew over. He gave me his car when he went back to Japan. Wow!
0: So, damn! Yeah. Look at that. yeah, He must have uh, liked it and respected you a lot. Well, cool. well,
1: it was just a car that he bought there. He sure couldn't pack it with
0: him, so you know. <laughs> right? But, yeah. I said, hanging out with him and going to Bon Jovi together. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That's cool. I guess he liked uh, Bon Jovi a lot. That's he liked
1: rock and roll, man. He was he he, he liked a lot of the Western uh, traditions and cultures. He did. We he was he was right in there with us. Yeah.
0: It's kind of weird to say, and I know we always bring it up to you, like, hey, you know, The rock, did you see him becoming a star? Did you see Chono? Like, wow, this guy's going to become one of the best Japanese wrestlers.
1: Well, I, I I didn't I didn't see him winning the title at all, but I, I, he was tremendous. I, he was a great worker, but but I was very happy with him, uh, happy for him when he won the title, the world title. And I saw him in in Philadelphia earlier this year, right before this thing crashed. He he owns a clothing line now. <laughs> it's it's it, it's the craziest thing, and he looks great. Um, has his own line of clothes. Uh, that's what he does now. He's he's a millionaire, multi-millionaire, over, well over. And they just brought him into Philly as as the special guest from Japan. And I think it tanked. You know. So I mean, no, I, I but I I I knew he was great. I uh, once again. I mean, nobody knows until until it happens. But he was um, uh, he
0: he was working for it, and he he did a great job. Yeah, definitely, one of the best, there's no doubt about that Huge, huge star in Japan Former uh, WGP champion, former NWA world champion I mean, he, uh, he's he got quite the resume, that's for sure
1: Yeah, and he's not doing too bad either today man, yeah, like yep. I said. So, yep. yeah, and always good to see that, man It really is, it's always good to see uh,
0: <laughs> People that you worked with turn out to be pretty good people it is interesting when you like look through like your history and go through the territories and like we're going through continental and I love that seeing like what random names pop up of like who you wrestle wherever. so like you don't really expect to see you know uh, wherever uh, Alabama uh, wherever it was against there actually it might have been uh, Kingsport Tennessee but um, you versus Chono it's just like wow, that's random. In in Tennessee, that's a Ochono. Like it's just one of those things where it's like, All right, Adrian Street, I could see that or you know, uh, Larry Hamilton, but like, wow, Chono, that's interesting. Well yeah, but that's what they did back then is uh a Japanese company
1: would contact a US company and say, We want to send this guy over for seasoning. Can you take care of him? We'll take a little tour. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll pay you this much and uh uh just make sure he gets action, make sure he gets ring time and this way we'll we'll season him up while he's away. We'll um, you know, get get him re- get him ready to come back, and and then we'll we'll see what he's learned, see how he's uh, acquisitioned in uh, your territory, and and see what we can do with him over here. And that was that. I mean, they did that with a lot of a lot of places.
0: Overall territory, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. What would you say about it that? You you wish you could stay the longer. You wish it was more. Uh profitable you wish the business kind of didn't go the way it did you would have stayed there forever
1: i i really wish there was more territories like continental wrestling but i also wish there were more people like ron and robert fuller jimmy golden in the armstrongs in the business um it, but for for those people to be in the business it would have to be a different business because they were all men who had who had convictions and beliefs um and they had a code they stood for and whether it was in the locker room or in the ring um, everybody understood it everybody was a part of it and if you weren't a part of it then you know you got off on the next dock uh, there, there, there's not it wasn't it wasn't a business for just anybody to get into and um yeah, you you had some some guys who took pride in it. You took you had guys who who understood that uh, not everybody was made for this, and and there were there were occasions where that's that was handled in <laughs> handled in a, it would be considered archaic archaic today, and and rightfully so, but at the same time you knew what you were getting into. You knew if you were you were gonna make the, the the trips, if you were gonna get there and be able to perform, um, if you took pride in it, if you kept your mouth shut where it needed to be shut, if you protected the business, then then you were welcome. You're one of one of them. You're one of us. But um Continental Wrestling was was one of the last territories like that. Uh where it was still kayfabe the heels had their hotel babyface had theirs and it was still uh whatever was going on after the matches went on after the matches and nobody got on instagram or twitter and all that bullshit and started tweeting about it and telling about it and you know there's just and again i was saying this earlier yeah you you've always had uh Good people and bad people in all walks of life, in all businesses, and nobody's perfect. But at the same time, there was a code, there 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 was a line, and there was a place that you, you knew you 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 didn't cross those lines. And um, the continental area had a lot of. Uh, you you could get away with a lot, but you still had to perform. You still had to produce. You still had to do your job. And as long as you did that, you were okay. As long as you did what you were asked, you were okay. And that was a great place to be because it didn't. They, there was there wasn't a lot of pressure. Uh, although the guys who were, were under the pressure were the owners, because it was up to them to pay the bills, and it was up to you to help everybody not only pay the bills but to make money. And uh it was a great place to be, great place to learn from, and great people to learn from. The Armstrongs and the Fullers and Jimmy Golden, the Welches, uh and and all the guys that came through there. They I think they left it better. It's just that times we were changing and nobody was gonna survive the
0: machine that was rolling through. Tom, I got to mention this. Of course, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hill trimmer ever created, and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Well, I,
1: you know what else I've heard, man, that they've upgraded it to a 7,000 RPM motor with a quiet stroke technology. Now, I don't know about quiet stroke technology, but I do know that it's a smooth shave all the time, every time. So, And, and I'm really digging, I've got to say this, man, because, you know, if, if they're going to allow us to plug their product, I've got to use their product. And that LED light is a lot of help, man. It really, really is. And
0: I know we have a new code, too, right? Yes, we actually do have a new code. So get 20% off and free shipping with the new code, which is Empire, E-M-P-I-R-E, Empire, With that is 20% off and free shipping. So go to manscaped.com, place your order, and then get 20% off and free shipping with the new code EMPIRE. Yeah, what a
1: great what a great gimmick. What a great gift. Birthday, Christmas, Father's Day just passed. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so it's it's uh it's one of those things that back in the day, uh a lot of people could use. I mean, instead of trying that old rusty, uh and crusty power shaver, electric
0: shaver that uh, I've known
1: some some used and nicked and scratched and
0: all that good stuff, man. Also another great gift for the Aspiring Pro, a complete one-year training curriculum and guide for beginners and seasoned pros, a pro wrestling curriculum, advice, suggestions, and stories to help the Aspiring Pro get to the next level. That is, of course, Dr. Tom Pritchard's book. Dr. Tom, how could they get this book? You can get this book on Amazon.
1: Just type in Dr. Tom Pritchard's book and it'll pop right up. Or you can send $25 to my PayPal, which is at or which is Dr Tom Pritchard at AOL And I will send a personally signed autograph book to you uh from my PayPal account. Amazon, I don't have that access, but you can find the book on Amazon as well. And um I do believe that is it.
0: Nice. Also a new Pro Wrestling, well not new, but a pro wrestling tea store has been set up. KPWA and of course Dr. Tom. Go to com and check that out. Of course, I love the Wanted Dead or Alive shirt on the Dr. Tom store. You could also go to Patreon, where a page has been set up. You can become a patron and support JPWA and that way. You can check out the website at JPWrestlingAcademy.com for all the latest news on the JPWA. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. To Tom Pritchard. Dr. To Tom, you got any other kind of appearances or seminars coming up?
1: We do. We do. We do. It is August, uh, gosh, 8th and 9th. Les Thatcher and myself are doing a seminar at uh, the JP Wrestling Academy. Uh, all information on that is on our website as well at jpwrestlingacademy.com. There's a two-day camp for $99 and spots are going fast we do not have that many left uh, I don't want to mention but but we don't so hurry fast if you want information go to our website at
0: jpwrestlingacademy.com alright great stuff this week and of course we hope you join us next week for taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard see you next week folks mm-hmm.